Hi, my name is Pat Live and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. These are the pandemic interviews, conversations in a changing time. Now with 26 published episodes, the creation of the pandemic interviews has seen me through the pandemic and kept me in touch with artists from all over the world. A few I met for the first time, most I've known for a number of years as I sought them out with my lens in the clubs, festivals, and concerts around Ontario. I've had the pleasure of getting to know some pretty wonderful people. I've also had a couple of publishing gaps for various reasons, but I'm still determined to post weekly. There are a total of 12 studio interviews, two of which have been aired, Tom Wilson and John Angus MacDonald of The Trues. There are more to come from 2020 and definitely 10 more from the studio interviews. I truly hope that those of you taking the time to listen have enjoyed hearing the thoughts and opinions of the various artists. I thank you for, as they say, tuning in. Today, I'd like to introduce The Peptides, an Ottawa-based nine-member band, five vocalists and four instrumentalists, producing a distinctive, larger-than-life pop sound. The Peptides are known for their high-energy, extravagant, and colorful live performances. Their music, an eclectic mix of funk, soul, folk, gospel, Latin, and new wave. The name Peptides is actually short for neuropeptides, the chemicals our brains produce that have so much to do with both the happiness and dread humans experience. Fun and happiness are the peptides' focus. A snapshot of Canadian diversity, the peptides is a community of girls and guys, LGBTQ and straight, English and French, black, white, and in between, Ukrainian, Mexican, Guyanese, Cree, Acadian, Armenian, and Scottish. I had the opportunity to see them during Indie Week in Toronto a few years back. If I had the chance, I'd go back to see them again in a heartbeat. The only Torontonian in the group. I had the opportunity to sit down with vocalist Oleksandra Prichnicki and chat about the band, the pandemic, and everything in between. Okay, so my name is Oleksandra Prichnicki. I'm from the band The Peptides from Ottawa. And uh, the peptides have been around for over 10 years now. This version of the peptides is celebrating its 10th year anniversary this year. Um, It did exist in a previous form for a few years before. Um, I'm a vocalist and also a composer for the band. And we are a combination of a highly theatrical funk, soul, and cabaret-style outfit and essentially we would be a party band that you swear you've heard those songs before, but they're all originals. And they're a whole lot of fun. Yeah, and combined with the shoot. And combined with some pretty heavy, heavy subject matter under a nice nice candy coating. Okay. <laughs> okay, the first question out of the gate is where were you a year ago or the band and where did you expect to be now? A year ago, we were recording um, our music video, one of the biggest projects we've undertaken. We also were prepping final travel arrangements for flying out to St. John, New Brunswick to play Pride. That's uh, one of our biggest communities and one of our biggest support networks has always been the LGBTQ plus network. And St. John has invited us over and over again back to play Pride. 
and life was very, very different. It was much more centered around live events, and this year we're now dealing with the cancellation of all of our events. We would have been playing St. John again this year, but they had to unfortunately let us know that the festival wasn't happening. But instead, what we're doing is we are once again in the middle of shooting a music video. And hopefully we'll be doing it in conjunction with some pride organizations as well, but it's very much centered around the subject of pride. So if we can't play pride live, at least we're going to be doing some music videos and some really beautiful content and a brand new song to celebrate pride. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So has the pandemic and isolation changed the band's approach in keeping themselves relevant? It has to a certain degree. What we realized is all those beautiful conversations that you would have when you're going to gigs, when you're talking with managers about gigs, when you're talking to fellow musicians who are going to be opening for you or you're opening for them, we made a concerted effort to bring that online instead of taking it for granted that we could see people in person. So uh, sort of revealing a more personal side to ourselves online became a lot more important. The other thing that we realized was that uh, we had to problem solve a little bit more, but not as much as you would think. A lot of other bands actually had to figure around workarounds, but because I'm located in Toronto, the rest of the band is located in Ottawa, and so many of the band members are all geared out at home already with their own gear. It was actually a pretty straightforward and easy conversion over to doing this virtual set of rehearsals and things like that. So that side of things was actually easier than we expected. And one other thing we started doing was just starting to call each other to see how everybody's doing because we didn't have rehearsals to catch up. And it's amazing how much you miss performing and having that outlet. So we really banded together and uh, tried to figure out, you know, how everybody's doing and not only how to make music together, but how to help each other get through all of this. So that was nice. a big change. So you're, you're finding the whole Zooming or Skyping or the whole social media thing connecting with the band but also with your followers as well yeah and I mean we realized that one of the big things we had to work on was our social media following and our posting but that was still in November of last year we really put a big push behind it so this actually just we just continued on posting every single day and we had a new variety of things to start posting about and then the other thing that we already were sort of doing was these virtual rehearsals because I'm the one who lives in Toronto, so I usually make it into Ottawa about twice a month, but that counts gigs and some rehearsals. So we already had a system worked out where we could rehearse with me being in Toronto and them being in Ottawa. So we just fine-tuned, tweaked, and expanded that version. That's really interesting. Yeah. I like to see those videos on the rehearsals. I can imagine <laughs> that. Especially that I have the visual of you guys on stage. I mean, whether it's in person or whether it's live, the biggest problem is always staying on task and not just being absolutely foolish with each other because we're basically a group of best friends. So that's one of the big yeah, How are you finding the syncing? Uh, so what we do is the workaround for that is it tends to be whoever is uh, singing lead has the main mic source. And then usually the instrumentalists are able to get together because there's no concern about um, vocals and breathing heavily and things like that and transmission. So the instrumentalists, that's not as much of an issue. And with the vocalists, when we have vocal rehearsal, 
Usually all the vocalists in Ottawa are together, separated in a backyard. And then for syncing purposes, I will put myself on mute so that I can sing along to them back at my house. Or if I'm singing solo, then they put themselves on mute so I can sing solo and they sing along to me. And then whoever, so they would have sort of like the main feed of them singing with me. And then they would record that and send it back to me to see how I feel about it and things like that. So. Oh, nice. So you guys have it all worked out. We we do. And it's been going on for five years now that I've been oh, in yeah. Toronto. So it's it's been a, something that we've been sort of problem solving with for You're a while. You're experienced with this then. Mm-hmm. The whole band is. So you write, um, or the band writes most of their original, all of, the, all of your material is original. Yes. It? Yeah. There are very, very, very few covers, and we have uh, some covers in our back pockets for encores and things like that. So has any of what's going on around us, specifically isolation or pandemic-related, creeped itself into any of your songwriting? It has for years. One of our albums was For Those Who Hate um, the Human Race, and it had a song called For Those Who Hate Human Interaction. It had a bunch of other songs that have to do about the state of the world, Another album was called Love Question Mark, and it's about love versus hate, but it's about all the different aspects of love, like love through loneliness, love through relationships, all of that. So we've been talking about a lot of this stuff for years, and now that we're working, we have a grant secured and we're working on a follow-up album to our last one, I really think it's going to bleed itself into a lot of the subject matter. I know that me personally... It's just whatever you're living inspires you, so I'm sure it's going to bleed its way into the material. Our most recent song we're working on right now is more to do with um, uh, human rights and advocacy and drag queens. So (laughs) that's our latest song as well, but uh, we're not only inspired by, you know, what's happening um, with with race issues over in the U.S. and in Canada – um, but also with the pandemic and all of that stuff. But we're we're a pretty heavy and nerdy bunch of people. So despite our, again, bright colored exterior, we, we tackle some pretty heavy subject matter. So I think it might get a bit sharpened that we're a bit more pointed on subjects, but I think we've always been tackling stuff like that. How are you coping personally? And how is the band members coping personally? You know, we have a combination of people in our band. Like, uh, we don't depend on the peptides as our main livelihood. So everybody has secondary projects. So I find that the way individuals are doing in our band depends on how their side projects and their partners are also doing. So for me, um, my day job lets me work from home very easily. So I'm having a really really nice time through this actually reconnecting with a lot of my creativity that I wasn't able to before Um, I was a bit of a workaholic before this so it's caused me to sit back and take on a smaller workload just because I can't anymore and it's caused me to slow down and all of those things and I am just counting my blessings every single day that I'm in the scenario that I'm in Uh, Other parts of our band members, uh, some of my best friends have no work, literally no work. Mm. And so they've had to completely rethink things and started off as a very scary thing, but then it led to a burst of creativity, doing online concerts, creating PayPal tip jars, things like that, combined with taking your lessons virtually and all of that stuff. But then there are some really cool surprising ones, like certain band members have recording studios, and they're having a boom of business because so many artists are at home creating and writing new stuff and sending material to be mastered and all of these things to him. So 
we're all taking it really differently. Um, for me, this is the longest period of time that myself and my partner have been at home together for our entire 10-year or 9-year relationship. Uh, how's that working out? It's amazing. Excellent. It's been really, really good. It's been something that, again, one of those weird sources of stress you don't even realize exist until it's gone. So between that and excessive hours at work, excessive traveling, all of that stuff, I didn't even realize that I was putting myself through the meat grinder I was. And then suddenly when it's taken away, I was like, this is what it feels like to just sort of exhale and be able to kind of live your life a little bit more. So I'm trying to really... Considering how much external stress you're getting from the world scenario, at least I can center myself and I'm blessed to have a scenario where I'm okay. And then if that's the case with me, I just try to be there as much as I can for my other bandmates and other musician friends. So, And basically not talk about being so fortunate to not make them feel bad. So... Well, it's good to hear that everybody is sort of working on an even keel. So yeah. motivation, obviously, is not a problem for anybody. Yeah. And now that you're working on a new video, I mean, everybody's just gung-ho on that, too. So Yeah, we're really gung-ho on it. And again, but that's, that's not even as straightforward as it would have been last year. You know, there's all sorts of other considerations to bring in. We can't have as many people all in one place because before anything else, we want to make sure that everybody is feeling safe. Also, if we're taking away time from each other, that we're financially being responsible for one another, that we're covering expenses for everybody, helping each other out where we can. So it is straightforward, and there is a bit more time, but then there's so many other things you have to navigate, so it quickly eats up your time before you know it. Live performance is the key to the development of many artists. Now, you guys have been together for 10 years, but still, everybody is always honing and improving and changing over the years. What do you think the live music scene is going to look like going forward after this? We've got a lot of clubs <laughs> closing, a lot of venues closing, um, a lot of uh, promoters even are deciding that they might be handing in the towel. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to happen? How do, you, how do you or the peptides see the scene going forward? I think... I mean, we already have some help through CERB, and there's already been an influx of funding that I'm hoping will help people weather the storm to a certain degree. But we're really unfortunately going to lose quite a few venues and quite a few um, promoters, like you mentioned, and other people in the business. What I'm really, really hoping for is if we can help each other out and we can make it through with some subsidies and with some help, that we do see a thirst and an appetite from the public that they do want to go out. They do want to take in the things that have been pulled away from them. And you see it in, you know, um, all sorts of restaurants now taking in huge amount of people in lineups who want to start coming to patios and all of that. So I'm really hoping that that will come back. But Necessity is the mother of invention also, so I'm really hoping that it transforms itself into these different ways that we're seeing concerts, whether it's virtual concerts, drive-ins, things like that. I think it's a really cool idea in the meantime, but I'm just really hoping that that thirst that humanity's always had for music and live music will see us through, but we definitely can only do it with um, helping each other with funding and things like that. Otherwise... It's just, 
it's such a precarious industry and we know it. This is, you know, a lot of people look up to artists who can make a living out of it. Oh, that's such a cool way of life, everything. But as with anything, it's, you know, in the arts, it's a gamble. It's a gig economy. I mean, it's, it's literally almost pay as you go. Yeah. The peptides are really visual performing act. Mm -hmm. They're, I mean, it's just to experience them, you really need to see them live. How do you, how do they feel about streaming? I mean, going forward, um, there may be, um, you think maybe there might be more of a focus on streaming, and I'm wondering about bands like yourselves um, and how they would approach the streaming. Well, the problem with there, I, I definitely see it as streaming, and we did see an issue with that. Like, we've tried all sorts of different approaches to streaming, and it is really hard because Room Sound is never ideal, right? From That's coming from the mixing board. It's never ideal. Um, I think recording videos is always a great way to do things, but monetizing videos is a really difficult thing to do as well. Like You really have to gain a, certain, a huge amount of numbers on YouTube and things like that before you start monetizing anything. So you're putting in all this work to create these visuals that are there to, you know, get you attention, get you notoriety. But in the past, it was get you attention, get you notoriety, so people will then come and pay to come to your gigs. So what I'm sort of sitting here wondering is where the monetary side of things will happen. Now, if you look at um, sort of, again, going back to like drag queens and things like that, there's been a lot of concerts that they've done where you pay for the tickets ahead of time and there's a gatekeeper that lets you into the show. I could see that happening for sure. So in some ways, the peptides are visuals, um, make things a bit more difficult to put on a live show online, but because we're so visually, we have so many components, it does help us do a lot of great pre-recorded stuff, a lot of great photo shoots and things like that. So it's all in how to monetize it using things like Patreon and different tiered levels. of Patreon is a really, really great tool for artists as well. I've heard a number of artists mention Patreon now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that are looking to help. Like, I love subscribing to artists on Patreon. I love um, Kickstarter campaigns, all of that stuff. We got a great response from people, loved ones, even just friends and fans who are like, we want to support you guys, but we don't want it to seem like a handout. But we have all your albums and there's no shows to go to, so how do we give you money in a way that's structured? So things like you know, Kickstarters, Patreon accounts, PayPal tip jars, all of those are things that I think are just going to be more and more and more fine-tuned and developed that'll really help us out. That's the other thing is if you're doing these streaming concerts and you have, let's say, only 15 people allowed in the room, maybe you start making a priority that a photographer and media is one of the people that's invited to your um, streaming sessions and that's not something a lot of artists are necessarily thinking about is how to reach beyond that and I, I think that will come the NEC had a really interesting pilot project that they did where they offered $1,000 grants to different artists who were going to be streaming um, concerts also Sukan had a really great funding opportunity for um, different live streamed events and how it depended you could get up to $150 per streaming event depending on how long you were playing how many songs you were playing so there are starting to funding organizations are starting to look at ways to reward streaming and things like that finally they're getting creative about it after celebrating their live hits with the peptides ep in 2016 
The band returned to concept albums by releasing Galapagos in 2018. The latter forms a soundtrack to Kurt Vonnegut's book of the same name. The song we're about to hear, Invaders, is from the Galapagos album. Both the album and the song include the lush harmonies the peptides have become known for.
Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. The song we've just heard, Invaders, is from the Peptides 2018 album, Galapagos. You're listening to a conversation I had with vocalist Alexandra in July 2020. 2020, do you think it's going to be a career killer for some of those, some of those bands out there that aren't as well established? Yeah, I think it could be. I think it could be. Very succinct answer. I, I really do. Um, I think it could be the same way we see other small businesses. It is a strain to be a contractor, to be your own business. And that's the thing that scares me the most. That's the thing that keeps me up wondering about the people that I know because there's so many times that you tell yourself, oh, well, just one more. If I get that one gig or I get that one piece of exposure or whatever else, maybe that, that'll be the game changer. But there are some people that are exhausted. They're exhausted by the scenario. They're exhausted already by the grind they were in to try and make the money they could. And now even that's being taken away from them. So I could definitely, unfortunately, due to those circumstances, psychological strain, monetary constraint, yeah, I could see people throwing in the towel. Is this a good time now to prepare for the future? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's the the question you asked before about are people going to throw in the towel, put it in a very like negative and somber mood. And I think as much as people might be throwing in the towel, this is a time for reinvention. This is a time to step back, redo your website, redo your visuals, redo who you are as a band, because having your mission statement is just as important because it informs sort of what you're doing. So I think that like, this is a time for reinvention, to prepare for the future, all of this stuff, to sit back and take a look at, okay, well, where have we been spending money? Where is the actual place that we should be investing in? Do we need to revamp our social media? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? And um, as a band on our side, we have been hit or miss with getting grants. It hasn't come easy for us because we don't fall into categories easily, which is a nice problem to have in some way, but with financial governing bodies is way harder. So we've always had um, a set of private events that we did to stock our bank account, things like that, like really figuring out game plans for how you're going to work around things, how you're going to be prepared for the future, what you what things are absolutely necessary to your band, what things can you do without, what fuels you, what are you inspired by moving forward. So it's, um, I think it's a really great time to sit back and take stock of everything and um, really assess what it is you want to do as a band. Imagine that once, if you do take the perspective, the positive perspective, that this is all going to reopen and we're going to have gigs again soon. What do you want your gigs to look like? Imagine you have all this time to prepare. What do you want your first gig to look like? What do you want to maybe save up your pennies for like a lighting rig? Or what can you make at home that will be set pieces or whatever else? What songs can you write? But it goes even beyond that. Like what you know, there are certain things that I've wanted to do forever. I do really elaborate hair and makeup. So, you know, this is my time to do a, you know, a time lapse of all my makeup that I do. Little things like that, like capturing those moments and figuring out what it is your audience wants from you, all of this stuff. That's what you can do right now. And that will help you prepare for when things explode in the future, because a lot of times, you know, we've spent our last few years 
figuring out a contract that we entered into as a band. Uh, we figured out all of our financials. We figured out how this is all going to look like. Do the boring things. Figure out your taxes. Incorporate yourself. Do like, this is what this time is for. And it's, I know, like, please take, still take time to like watch like Tiger King 10 times over and like whatever else you need to do to relax and like center yourself. But also if you can, this is a really great time to gut, redo, rethink what it is you're doing in music and in art and it's inspiring. Set up your space, make it more conducive to like making art and music. There's so many things you can be doing with this time. So that is the be prepared for the future that I hope people take from this. I'm really passionate about it because I'm really trying to take that approach with my life as well. So yeah, I think we're all trying to sort of prepare and plan harder to plan but at least prepare for whatever is coming down the pipe uh, because we don't we, we just don't know i mean they keep talking about a second wave are we going to get locked down again do you think artists are a little bit more creative or adaptable for situations like this i think so i think so i mean even just from the artists that i know i described earlier on that my bandmates um that we all have different jobs and different um pivot points that's what we do is we pivot whether it's from one artistic thought to another okay that chord isn't working let's try a different chord that's applicable to how we approach a lot of things so i think that artists um are able to use a bad situation and if nothing else turn it into a set of lyrics you know or pivot into um different performance structure performing in different environments all of this stuff i think we're very good at pivoting and it shows in you know certain artists that I see that run lessons and are starting to do it from the home again and they're buying shower curtains to put up to help isolate people during their vocal rehearsals and things like that and we're just we passion breeds the side to us that we want to do this no matter what so between the creativity and the passion and drive to do this I think artists are very well equipped to pivot and, and handle this type of situation. It's really interesting that you bring up the word pivot. One of my interviews was with Samantha Martin. Okay, yeah. And that's exactly the term that she used. She said, we pivot. If this doesn't work, then I'll look at this. And if that doesn't work, then I'll look at something else. She said it's a little bit more difficult to pivot now because you're, especially when you're in lockdown, pivoting is reduced somewhat but she's taken to writing um, very um, humorous and acerbic um, spots on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Pivoting is, you're the second artist who's mentioned that word pivoting, and I like that because I think that's what, that's what I feel artists do. That's what I'm doing with this. It's just this doesn't work or this isn't, can't happen, so we'll pivot over here. So. Well, what's kind of a neat an analogy for it, too, is like in our band, as just an example, a bit of a metaphor for it is... We wanted to write a new album, but there's nine of us. And it's like, okay, now go write an album. It's like, ah, uh, what are we going to write it about? How are we going to do this? And it was really difficult until we realized that we needed a bit of a structure. So that's how we landed on writing our album based off of a book. So that means we at least had a framework and a structure. What I am hoping to keep as my perspective on this is that these limitations that have been put on us or just a new framework and structure. And it lets you hit a wall and force you to pivot faster instead of going down a dead end for as long as you might normally. So that's 
the positive side of things that I'm trying to keep in mind. It's like, okay, these limitations just flat out mean we have to eliminate options, you know, A through, you know, F. And so let's start at the next set of options after that. And it helps you narrow your scope a little bit easier. So I'm trying to keep that as my positive outlook. Also off the Galapagos album, Sooner or Later, and there's those lush harmonies again.
Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. The song we've just heard, Sooner or Later, is from the Peptides 2018 album, Galapagos. You're listening to a conversation I had with vocalist Alexandra in July 2020. What do you think it's going to take to get people out to live music venues? I think that in general, it's just going to be the same way it was a societal shift that made people feel uncomfortable. I think in general, we're going to have to see the overall numbers and also the way that the media is reporting things, the way that the numbers are shaping up in our society. We need to see things even off because it's not a matter of just people feeling safe on their own, but there's a lot of people who have at-risk members of society as really dear loved ones worried about encountering someone and accidentally transmitting this and in Canada we've been doing a really really great job of it so I think we have a positive impetus behind us we've seen the positive effects of isolation so I think once we really start seeing the numbers taper off and that there's a bit more of a societal shift feeling okay people will gradually come out but man it's always going to be an issue with whatever whenever you're ripping off the band-aid for the first time. So the first event you go to, the first patio you go to, all of that is always going to feel a little weird and a little off. We're going to have a long weekend coming up, so, you know, we're all going to feel a little bit maybe uncomfortable for the first two weeks after that long weekend to see what the repercussions are. But I think gradually we're going to come out of it, but I think it's going to... I think we're a pretty pragmatic bunch in Canada, and I think we, we trust the numbers, so... Musicians rely heavily on touring. They also rely heavily on selling their merch during those tours. So do you think charging for live streaming or possibly getting involved in cross promotions might be more of a wave of the future? So cross promotions. Yeah, cross promotions so that you are, peptides are on stage, cross promotion, promoting with, let's say, Long and McQuaid. So, oh, yeah. You know, so Long and McQuaid is up. So it's your, you're basically, you know, um, collaborating with each other in cross front. There was a, there was um, an artist down in the U.S. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of, it was a very large international organization who said, okay, we're going to sponsor or cross promote with this artist who sang on the back of a pickup truck, um, had millions of streams going, charged for all of those streams. But of course, whoever was, uh, promoting him also has their face in there as well mm -hmm. so nobody's really paying for anything per se but they're reaping the benefits of the streams the million odd streams and getting their names out there so I'm wondering if that is potentially something that bands might look forward to or you know, if they're charging for the streaming I think I think there's a lot of opportunities for that cross-promotion for sure, and that it'll probably happen in certain unlikely scenarios also. Like, one of the biggest video games out there right now is, um, and it's been around for a while, is called Fortnite. And Fortnite basically is a virtual world where people from around the world come in and they all game together. And they recently teamed up with um, an artist who was a rapper out of the U.S., and they did a live venture together. Thank you. That's the one, that's I, the was, one. That's the one right. I was at. I couldn't remember the name. So, essentially, yeah. all these kids that would basically go online into this virtual world to play were told that you can go in as your avatar into this virtual world. It, 
it was brilliant. It was like an acid trip. It was crazy because we we tuned into it. So um, members of my family are avid Fortnite players, and you're zooming around this larger than life version of this artist who's singing like a giant statue, and you're interacting with them. And I think. AR, VR, all of those opportunities and all of those ways to team up because they're becoming more and more active and more and more interesting, I think they definitely will play a part cross-promotion-wise for sure. And I mean, even it's so easy to do 360 VR glasses and things like that just by um, using your phone and using a cardboard creation that's um, a headset that you can buy and you can market that even doing a live concert experience with 360 cameras, with positioned cameras, and, you know, selling a particular feed to a chair in the audience, there's going to be ways that people can create and market that. And you see it in sports. You see it in all sorts of avenues. Uh, You see it in video games, like I just mentioned. And Fortnite is very well connected with the music industry as well and with artists. So I think that that's going to become, just like you said, something very commonplace. And I think it's one of those things that will experience a boom specifically because of the scenario we're in now. I think it would have been a much slower process. But now that we're at home so much and very reluctant to go out and things like that, I think for sure that's going to be a booming situation. I'm glad, I'm glad you remembered who that was because I remember reading about it and then I just sort of went on to something else and came back to it and I went, ooh, I can't remember yeah. who that was. And you're right, it's a video game. I just threw yeah. Nike out there, but you're right, it was a and, video and it's, game. And it's brilliant. That was a brilliant idea. It was such a singular experience. It was just incredible. And you just had to be, you had to be signed up to Fortnite and then you just came in and instead of playing a game, you all of a sudden... We're zooming around and interacting in this giant world that was the concert. It was spectacular. It was a visual art piece. It was a music art piece. It brought in so many levels of creativity. And it was just, I watched that and I got excited and inspired all over again for possibilities within the arts. It was very fun. Very, very fun. Sales of musical instruments online specifically has just gone through the roof. Yes. To the point where people are trying to order stuff and there's none available. The other side of that has been musicians that have been rediscovering that flute they learned to play and the nether reasons of their of their closet, you know, or the guitar standing in the corner collecting dust. And one of the things that I thought about that was it's great, you're you know, I'm I'm a drummer. I'm going to learn, I'm going to go back to the keyboards because I used to play that when I was a kid. Or I'm, I'm a bass player and I'm going to, I'm going to learn the drums. Or learning a, a different instrument to what you're normally playing. So between people ordering instruments online and even doing vocal lessons, all of a sudden there's time for vocal lessons and people are doing that. So you've got this whole combination of almost like the perfect storm happening right now in homes all over the world, I'm wondering if there's going to be a new renaissance in music Mm -hmm. coming out of this. Yeah, I would like to see that. I would really like to see that. I feel that the more voices out there, the better. The more musicians out there, the better, in my opinion. Um, It's the great leveler. If everyone can have the opportunity to play an instrument, who's, who's to know what random, beautiful, creative voice is just going to you know, come out of it. Someone who 
decided to take up an instrument to sort of pass their time and finally had the time to actually apply themselves to it, I would love to see that. I would absolutely just adore it. There's, you know, I know that the band members that we have that teach, um, they're doing very, very well with sign up for all of their classes still. And um, I, I am very, very excited in people having this renewed energy behind music and behind playing an actual instrument. So because what that means is when you play an instrument and you go see a show or you go see a video of someone performing, there's a whole new level of appreciation and a new level to why you follow that person. There are some artists and some people that I don't necessarily, I won't sit down and listen to their album but I will watch videos of them doing what it is they do because I'm just so enamored with and inspired by their talent, their raw talent. And so it just adds an extra level of appreciation. When you play a guitar and you hear a guitar solo, suddenly you're like, oh my God, I know how hard that is. That's incredible. So it gets you really investing in, band in, in bands and in music on a deeper level. And our instrumentalists are just so, so good that I always really appreciate them. But when you're a vocalist in the front with the flashy hairdo and all of that stuff doing jazz hands, a lot of the times the attention goes to you. So I really like that people, this might inspire people to nerd out a little bit more on deeper levels of music and get even more invested in bands on deeper levels as well too. So Yeah, I'm hoping the same thing. The other thing was too is that if you have... For instance, um, a drummer who decides that they want to go back and learn the keyboard. When they're writing the material, it's a different sort of part of the brain that starts oh, to work and rewire. Yes. So you've gone from smashing something to actually playing melodies, which obviously you don't get off the drums. Um, so your approach to songwriting might also change as well. I think there's going to be an impact there. What do you think? I think so too and I think as vocalists sometimes like for me I feel that the two polar opposite sides of the spectrum of expression are drums and vocals <laughs> so um, I know that um, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that like I find that writing very melodic ethereal stuff I really enjoy and it comes easy but then writing very strict rhythmic sequences and all of that stuff doesn't come as easy to me and I think the more you can expand yourself into different aspects of your craft and the bigger the set of ears you can have to hear more uh, the better songwriter you'll become for sure do you think this whole pandemic thing is encouraging more collaboration not just among the bands but even possibly within not, not, not just within a, band, a certain band but possibly with other artists as well um, and it's kind of a, of a two-level question is, I'm speaking to some artists that are actually phoning each other up that don't normally play together and collaborating over whether, whether it's Skype or sending MP3s or whatever. But the other part of it is ab artists are now sort of banding together and forming a cohesive unit. It seems to be that a lot of the, the, the community, especially in the indie community, Everybody was kind of out for themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. they wanted the gigs, they wanted to play, they needed to get paid. But now there seems to be sort of more of a collaboration of we really need to work together to have each other's back. We're losing venues, so maybe we need to work more with the venue owners as well. Because I know there's been, I mean, some are at odds with yeah. the venue owners. Um, we've gone from guarantees to pay to play. 
and not, not a great space to be in. So it's collaboration on two levels. It's with other artists in order to maybe riff off each other. It's also collaboration with having each other's back and sort of banding together as a unit. I think we need to. I think that regardless of what the reality is, I think we need to. I think that's the only way we're really going to get through the next little bit is having each other's back, whether it's overtly in a financial sense, like helping each other out and paying artists to come in and open for you or whatever else it is, or just helping them in whatever way with it. Like if we have a certain amount of followers being like, hey, you have a certain amount of followers, I have a certain amount of followers, let's band together to get a broader audience reach, all of this stuff. And with um, with venues, for a long time, I feel that there was some animosity because and I, and I don't begrudge them for it. The easiest way to tell if you can have seats in the house is like, okay, how many tickets can you sell? How many people do you have on social media? And it sort of stops artists from being able to play new cities. We had one of the best scenarios was with a venue here in Toronto that was so good to us. And they just said, well, you know what? We know your band. You're really impressive. So we're going to team you up with a Toronto band that has a good following. But on a Friday night where we know we're packed so that we know you'll put on a good show for our patrons, but it'll also give you a new audience base, and everyone's happy. So I hope, I really hope that this leads back to that kind of holistic approach to the music industry. Nice. And I wonder whether, you know, how fragmented everything was getting was, was just, you know, we already weren't in a particularly great place before the pandemic as well. So hopefully it, it helps with that fragmentation. It, it gets us all to understand our community a little bit better. My favorite question. Do you, <laughs> everybody worldwide is on a level playing field. So it doesn't really matter whether you're in the top 1% or, as I've said before, picked up a guitar six months ago in Dad's garage and you figure you're going to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. Everybody is in the same spot. Nobody can play. Do you think that this might now be a golden opportunity for local acts, whether it's local Canadian, local in the community, indie acts, to sort of start to take advantage of this time and kind of hone their skills and kind of rise to the top before the gates open and all of a sudden Live Nation decides they're going to book a police tour again? And I I drank this with, we promote, you know, eat local, Grow local, shop local, now I think listen local. Yes, I love that idea. I love that idea so, so much. And there's a couple of things that get in people's ways, which is that, you know, they say that you're most imprinted with music when you're in your teen years. It's the most, like, sort of imprinted portion of your life because you're going through so much and all of this. And the music you listen to your in your teen years and early 20s are what gets imprinted on you and what sticks with you. The other side of it is there are a lot of people out there that like to go with things they've heard and things that are safe because it's also a status symbol, what you like or whatever else. And what I'm hoping is that that all gets somewhat thrown out the window. Because, like you said, you can't go to those big concerts anymore. But you've been sitting in your apartment for so long and you hear some music playing outside. Go out and see it. And I think in in Canada, in particular in the wintertime, we really easily stay home because it's so cold. (laughs) But I'm hoping that it gets pushes people to go out that way as well. Because 
we sort of sat back and started watching a lot of movies, started watching a lot of streamed concerts, which is really great. But I think we're starting to hit the wall a little bit with that. And we want our, our live experiences back. So I really hope that local acts keep rehearsing to whatever degree they can get their butts out there as soon as possible. Because I really do think that what you said, um, you know, that you could hit the ground running it, it will make all the difference in the world, and I would love to see bigger push on Listen Local. It's so easy with streaming services like Spotify and all of that for people to stick to the same old stuff they've listened to, but uh, it's also easy for Spotify to feed you new things as well. So between Spotify playlists, all of that stuff, and there's just there's so many opportunities to take in local stuff, but you have to start making a concerted effort. Driveway concerts little local park yeah back deck yeah do you think the current circumstances have and in any way heightened the appreciation for the arts and specifically music or maybe garnered a little more respect for the people who create the stuff that we love to listen to yeah i i think they definitely have in the same way that we're consuming a lot more movies, a lot more shows, we're consuming a lot of music, we're consuming, it's all about being able to entertain yourself at home. So I think people are diving into artists they haven't heard before. I think people are diving into, like going into their back catalogs of things because they're similar to running out of things to watch, they're running out of things to listen to. And um, maybe that goes against my whole thing I was saying before that people are cycling back through the, the stuff they know, but I think people are expanding but I also think that the more people that pick up an interest an instrument like I mentioned before it gives you a whole other level of appreciation for what you're hearing um, and when you pick up a guitar suddenly you start googling guitarists and you start googling you know well-known guitar solos and performances and all of this stuff and on top of it the film and music go hand in hand as well so I just finished watching um, a great series on Laurel Canyon and all the music that was happening down there. So they go hand in hand. So the more that we're watching things online, like documentaries and all of this stuff, the more that we're going to that. And music has always been a place to express so much that is just turmoil. So with all these protests going on in the U.S. and everything, one of the biggest outlets for that is music as well forms of expression like since protests existed you had protest music was one of the main vehicles and it's just I, I really think that with the climate as it is with everything being so tumultuous music is what people are going to for therapy and for solace and to express themselves and the more people that go there the more people gain a respect and gain just awareness of how difficult and how beautiful and how much a role music serves in the world so it's I think it's definitely being greatly appreciated right now what have you learned from all this I've learned a little bit better what it is I really want versus what it was I thought I want and was being told what I should want I would say that's probably the the biggest things that I'm I'm learning from this yeah. Two positives to come out of all this, one personally and one professionally. I got to live with my stepdaughter for three months, which was the one of the best things possible. 
So my partner, my stepdaughter, and I, all three of us, were in isolation together for over three months, and it was one of the best things to happen and cement our little family that we have. And it was, I would never trade that for the world. It is by far one of the best things to happen in my life, and it was solely because of this. So that's the personal side of things. Uh, the professional side of things, we proved to ourselves that we really want to do this. And, you know, we had to really, there were no excuses. You had to really decide whether you're in or out with this music thing. And it really forced us to realize certain projects and stuff. We released our music video that had been on a back burner for forever. And it forced us to produce new things. So that's what I've been most appreciative from that is to see that we are here despite some really bad scenarios. Our band is like, no, still here, not going anywhere. So that was, uh, it, it tests your metal. And I'm happy so far what we look like on the other side. Last question. And you may or may not be able to answer this for the peptides, I don't know. Oof. But it's, it's, a, it's just a bit of a fun question. Um, everybody has their favorite artist. Everybody has their favorite band. Mm -hmm. Who would you and or the peptides want to open for or share a stage with? Oh, and that's I don't a know if I get six different one. answers or if I could get. Oh man, especially if you included time travel, that would just be no time travel. No the time travel. Has to be alive. The artist be alive. Okay. Um. Wow. Gotta think on that one for a second. Off the top, I'm I'm gonna go with like just off the top of my head where my guts go. I'd probably say Janelle Monet would probably be Who? Janelle Monet would be just phenomenal to be able to open for. Janelle is wicked awesome. She has funk background. She has she's worked a lot with like Erica Badu and like all of those guys. But she has fun. She's got soul. She's got the theatricality. I've seen her on tour for every single album she's released. She, I would say, if, if we could open for someone, because as much as we like bands from before, if it was someone current, someone now, my my direct vibe goes to Janelle Monet. She has such a killer funk band behind her as well. Um, or someone like Anderson Pack would be really, really pretty phenomenal. So, people like that. Those are... But Janelle is Janelle is where I threw my threw my money. That's it. That's the final question. Unless there's anything else you would like to add. Not really. I mean, even if you don't know when your next gig is, just keep playing music. Pick up your guitar and play. You've just listened to a conversation I had at my home in July 2020 with Oleksandra Perchnicki, one of the beautiful voices with the Peptides. Many thanks to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the theme music for the show. And to those of you tuned in, thank you for taking the time to listen, inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. I am Pat Blythe, and these are the Pandemic Interviews on Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.